We would like to begin by paying our respects to the Kitsch, Shumash, and Tongva people who are the traditional custodians of the land that this podcast is being recorded on today, as well as paying our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Salad or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kinda gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather, together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Ioni Sky, you are in the midst of a full-blown anxiety attack no, about catering for a few people to come over on Memorial Day. It's almost like an identity crisis. I'm just, I, I, uh, I mean, you know how much I love entertaining, hosting. Yes. I love decorating the house. Yes. I, I want to master a beautiful table of, mm-hmm. and I am very far from it. Mm. Why do you say you're far from it? I think you host beautifully, and everyone has a no. I host time. well. I'm yeah. not far from that. My 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 yeah. I'm very good at making people feel good, even though I'm a remote character. That only helps my kind of mystique. <laughs> so, what's your vision of someone who hosts? It's the food. The food part is. I'm just your... very confused by Memorial Day holiday. What is so? It's what are like, we memorializing? Okay, it's listen, fallen soldiers. It, Right. Is well, yeah, sort of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And but are you meant to have that sort of present in the food? Like at Passover, we have salty water for the bitter tears of remembering the slaves. Should we do things like that for Memorial Day? I think you, it goes in the Americana or American category. So which, everything red, white and blue. I guess. But, you know, I can't do that. Because no, no, no. I, w- I won't do it. But I, I mean, I was explaining to our 13 year old why I wouldn't buy napkins that were like on the nose American flags. And I was saying, it's not that I don't love America. In fact, Abby Kaufman. And Abby Hoffman. Abby Hoffman, <laughs> um, huge revolutionary, named his son America because a lot of revolutionaries, they love America. It's not that they don't love America. The misconception is that you don't love it. So in any case, but I was saying, na- I was trying to explain nationalism is a bit complicated. We'd but it's lo- funny because Goldie, I'm not sure if it's nationalism. She's always loved flags. Like <laughs> I remember when she was a baby. Yeah. And if before, when she was pre-verbal, we'd be driving or walking along. If there was a flag, she'd raise her hand to it, arm outstretched, palm open, as if to just say, may I present you with this beautiful thing? Exactly. And we would stop and consider the flag. For, it didn't matter what it was for. She loves a flag, and she uh, wanted us to get a flag at certain points, and, I, and I, you know, like an American flag. It, it was really funny. There was an area not too far from our house that was starting to become a flag hill. People oh, yeah, were, that's right. And, uh, and there were so many flags going on. I was looking for like an indigenous flag, but they were like $500. And I was like, oh. And then I saw a couple of people put tiny flags in and I thought they probably were cheaping out like me and didn't want to pay. Those like, ones we get like 10 for $5 on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, But they took them down except for Canada? No, <laughs> there's one left. Is there one left? I forgot which one it is. But so you're coming back to Memorial Day. We're having, you know, whatever it is, half a dozen people over and you are losing sleep. I couldn't sleep last night. Because you're worried about what? Should we have hamburgers? Well, I'm just, <laughs> I we don't have a barbecue. So I'm so borrowing, borrowing a, grill a barbecue. From stepdad. And I'm just anxious about the, it, it, say, it doesn't say something like I'm not necessarily embarrassed, although I am conflicted about meat, but- it's more just, it's a different vibe. Like if you have a barbecue, 
going. So and what's the vibe? If you have a barbecue, what are you saying? What are you saying to the world about who you are, about what your values I are? I don't know. It's just a different energy <laughs> If you in the don't house. have one, what are you saying? Listen, <laughs> okay. my Chinese sign is a dog. And I think I have that funny thing where changes and different things in my house like kind of throw me off i mean you you from someone who notoriously changes their house every day <laughs> exactly well i'm like a dog making a bed i'm like moving stuff around but it's me doing it but yeah i i don't know it's just something about i don't i can't even explain and and, and a deeper level your fear is if you deliver the wrong food to your guests yes on and, memorial and have day the wrong what will what yeah, are the consequences? Also, when where we have the bar freaks me out. Like if we put the bar right when you walk, it's like a, like a feng shui thing. I know I sound new agey, but it's something about the visual. I'm not being snobby. Like I think barbecues are trash or something. It's more <laughs> just like this big thing happening. And and like the bar, sometimes we've had the bar where you walk in the door and it's like this giant. It reminds me, Feng Shui story, side story, is my, my beautiful godmother, Cynthia, worked for James uh, Corbin? Coburn. Coburn, James Coburn, my man Flint. She was his assistant and she had to meet their Feng Shui. He and Diane Abbott, I don't remember his wife's name. In any case, my godmother worked as an assistant for old school movie star couple. And she had to meet the feng shui person at their house. As you do. And the woman walked in the front door and there was a giant plant as you walked in the front door. And the feng shui woman said, oh my gosh, <laughs> this plant, the energy, too much. It's pushing me out the door. It's pushing me out the door. You can't have this big plant when you first open the door. It's pushing me out the door. And it was really funny. We have a massive plant as people walk Ours in. Ours is wonderful. But Ours is absorbing people in. It's beautiful. But ours is vine. Maybe if the plant was like standing and like facing you, ours is like almost part of the wall. Okay, so we're doing that okay, change, commitment. Yeah. You're feeling like you, you want to make sure you're putting the right energy out to people you love. Because a barbecue is like a whole energy. It's a whole thing. Like Snoop Dogg's porno. Exactly. Maybe we should turn it into that. <laughs> a porn shoot. Except, you know, we have, it's become a family-friendly barbecue. Um, yeah, and Memorial Day, so it's a funny thing. It's the beginning of summer. You think- The weather's bad, too. It's overcast. Yeah. yeah. You think watermelon, barbecue, beer. Burgers. Burgers. Maybe hot dogs. The whole shebang. Vegan that. options, some potato salad. Well, yeah, we're definitely having vegan options because a fourth of the people will be vegan. And then there's some people, I'm going to have a giant kale salad for those who won't eat, you know, bread or anything. And uh, it's, it's LA just for people who yeah. are tuned in in other parts of the world. And also, well, yeah, I guess it's like, it can't all be gourmet and- Farm to table. I'm trying to get down to the emotional reality. You fear rejection from yes. your peers and your community if you make the wrong <sighs> choices in terms of what you serve. It's like at having a little a, get together. A stain on your pants, and you know, no, you know, you're just kind of front or back. You know, front. I don't <laughs> okay. know. So it's not that bad. Or maybe back. I don't <laughs> That's, know. Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. By the time you start hosting, by the time you actually open the doors and your first guests arrive, are you able to let this kind of thing go or does it weigh upon you for the entirety of proceedings? I just don't want it to become a, like not a mess, like dirty, but just like a kind of just, I don't know, just everything is sort of, there's too much food. I do get anxiety about having too much food. Waste. Yes. Right. And it's like, oh, when there's like an excess in a certain way, I get anxious about it. And mm. I'm nervous about there being too much food. But, you know, 
So, I mean, do you feel any better talking it out a little bit with the beautiful babies? I The chaos is freaking me out. Uh, do I have like issues? Yes. You are loved unconditionally. People who love you, love I wanted you. To People look who come good. over, love to come over. I want it to, to look over. ordered and yeah. somehow I feel like it's going to be a smorgasbord. My love, I feel for you. I feel like the, this is this type of pressure you're putting on yourself. It's inhumane. I present very mellow, but inside, you know what I'm saying? You're a mellow neurotic. Yeah. I went to see the Hoodoo Gurus oh, yeah. last week. Who, I went to the Roxy. Yeah. I bought a couple tickets months back when they announced the tour. And I, I didn't realize. Then then um, our friend Jonathan and Pitch were going. And so we, we had a bit of a boys night at the Hoodoo Gurus. For I people, loved that. I know. For people who don't know, the Hoodoo Gurus were like an 80s power pop Australian rock and roll band. Like amazing. Came out of, you know, pub rock scene. And they are... Uh, just some incredible songs. And for me, it's very nostalgic because I think they they kind of like expressed a lot of what I fell in love with about songwriting and melodies and uh, yeah, just like both being sort of like having an aggression and a power to it, but not being macho. And we had such a fun night. We were at the Roxy and then afterwards, loved the show. I tried to stage dive uh-huh. at one point and um, I, I went up to the front and I climbed up on the stage and then the crowd, they were pretty much all 50 and above the audience. They just were like, no, no, thanks. Stepped to the side, left just a big gap. And I just climbed back down in the audience and just had a laugh. And that was that. It was it was a failed stage dive. But I do consider myself fairly well experienced in the art of humiliation. And this is a, just another notch on my bedpost, actually. You know, I quite, yeah. I quite loved it. Um, did Jonathan and Pitch... Uh- they didn't follow me. They didn't stage dive. So did they know your embarrassment of, or did they see you not get caught? I don't think they knew what was going on. Down? I don't think they knew what was going on. But later we went to the rainbow. We kind of kept the night going. So we went into the rainbow, you know, classic metal haunt next door to the Roxy. So good. We were drinking Lemmy's, named after, after Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. We used to sit at the bar, which is basically Jack and Coke. Mm-hmm. It was pretty rock and roll. I felt did pretty proud like of us. Did you like your Jack with Coke? I know you like... You know, I'm not a huge Coca-Cola fan. I love Coke like once a year with like salty Chinese food or it's good with salty food. I'm also not a huge Jack Daniels fan, but there was something about the Jack and Coke. But you like whisk. I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But I I just sort of like the the spirit of the moment. Sometimes when you order the right drink that has the right iconic value, like, you know, going to pump, ordering the pump teeny. Or being in Greece and having grappa. Grappa. Yes, or an Aperol we, Spritz in Italy. Yeah. That's I don't what a lemmy is have at the rainbow. Grappa, um, however you say it, like any other situation. Or lem- that lemon, what is the lemon drink in Italy? The um, lemon. Uzo? Lata, no. no. Oh, Uzo. Uzo in That's Greece. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. What's Grappa from? Grappa, grappa might also be Greek, but Uzo then Aperol. Is, Uzo Italy, I like yeah. better. It's like, Grappa is like too sweet or something. Uzo I think is like, it's like, gasoline. <laughs> am, I, am I sensing a grappa bar at the Memorial oh Day festivities? I Can I add to a little more neurosis? Why don't mix some, you know, like so many genres so it's a really confusing. And then my mom's bringing, of course, it's like such a classic. My mom, my relationship to my mom is sometimes as if she's my mother-in-law, like a, sort of like there's certain things I'm like, I'm not, no, I don't want to say it. My mom listens to this podcast. Your mom was last week's guest. I She's know. She's being lauded all around the internet. I guess I'm having it now. Moms classically like might 
bring exactly the thing you didn't want them to bring, which is not the case, but I'm saying it feels that way sometimes. I think moms are going to mom. Same. Basically. I'm starting to mom. You're going to do what you want to do. Big time yeah, yeah, yeah. with Goldie, where there was something that was so classic, where I just did the exact wrong thing. It, it's your own agenda. You've yeah. basically got your agenda, and it, for the the mother has to disguise her agenda as being the agenda for the whole family. And you know, with my mother, it's mom. She's almost always kind of right. Same with your mom. Like when they come in with the idea, the in- instinct is no, but then often it's the right one. Well, it's like that. It's like vagina dentata or something it's like we feel ourselves being like we came from these women and we're running to get away and get our independence and we're just terrified of being reconsumed by them that yes maybe <laughs> right yeah exactly together we're weirder we're weirder together last night you did one of those you were a mono the monologuist I believe it's pronounced monologist. Monologist. The guest monologist, yeah. And Betsy. So I was the guest monologist at Sean Conroy, who I met at UCB when we'd both done ASCAT shows there. He started his own little improv night at a place called the Lyric Theatre on Hyperion. I liked that theatre. It was so cool. It's a tiny theatre, but you really feel like you're in an experience with the performers. And I was the guest monologist, and there was... uh, Betsy Sodaro and Joe Wengert and you know there's a few people and it was great like so the guest monologist gets up there and the audience throws out a word a and word. Then you tell some stories yeah and then they do uh improv around it and what was your experience because you said I was like I, I used it as like therapy I was yeah you just <laughs> went really like into like therapy sessions <laughs> well I talked about it was very therapy. heavy I talked about my therapist who had died yeah no it was so heavy yeah. and not and it was sort of a, I thought oh well this will be a challenge because everything it was like about someone who died and then and I'm like where It's going to be hard for comedians to make this thing funny, but it was hysterical. They did an amazing job. One, because I've done that a few times. I first did it at UCB back in like '97 or '98 in New York when it was like Amy Poehler and all those guys um, there. And uh, but the thing I learned was that as the guest monologist, don't be tricked into thinking you have to be funny. The trick is to give them tons a of material. content. Like just well, keep talking. Well, you were funny and you always wrapped up your things. Like you happen to be really funny. I guess they do pick people who are quite uh, charismatic. Yeah, entertaining. And, you know, but then so- they turn in. I just think it's – so one of the stories I told was about how growing up as an Australian Jew in the 80s, I got to know a lot of South African Jews who'd immigrated – out of South Africa at the end of apartheid. And there was sort of a joke about, I was like, it's not a good look really leaving a country when white supremacy ends. But anyway, but one of the things that there were these wealthy families who. Oh, sorry. I like better stories of that last night. I have a couple of I was talking about what they do with the table legs. I know, I know. I thought some of the other ones were funny. Well, you tell one then. Yeah, I'm going to. Go for it. Sorry. Are you mad? Keep going. Sorry, I ruined your story. You're in such a dud (laughs) mood today. Is it all right? Is it is going it, you haven't had like a dud mood podcast yet. You're owed one. You know, I've had a few. I've had like three in the year of parting. I did where I've been four in really bad extremely moods. sick, but yeah, no one true. knew. But this is your first one where you're being like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was really 
funny, the way they turned the death thing into a funny thing was that uh, Betsy was sort of auditioning people to be her new parents. Yes, because I was saying when my therapist died, another therapist tried to get in there and claim me as a client. Oh, yeah. And they've turned it into another therapist was trying to get in there and be the dad that had died. And then you told a story about being uh, going to heavy metal shows when you were a kid and your mom would give you a, a, a like a thermos of chicken soup and they did She whole, wanted to. I didn't want her to do it. But she was like, can I deliver skit. some chicken soup to you while you wait in line? They Oh, to see the heavy metal show. And they did a whole skit of heavy metal people showing up at a 14-year-old kid's house <laughs> and asking for chicken soup that you that they had a sip of and like Ozzy Osbourne and, and uh, that guy, what's his name from... Wasn't the Swedish it? guy from oh, oh Lars Ulrich yeah. from Metallica. Yeah, it was so good. I just love. I love. I haven't done one of those kind of things in a while, and it's just the play, the level of play. You know, it's just like it's so important to stay in contact with that I know. part of us that's like kids. And improv people really have to stay in that space. It's really admirable that you see people at Largo and other clubs go up every night, and they're people who are doing pretty well. I'm guess they're in between jobs, but people who work a lot. But they just constantly want to get up on the stage. Yeah, Mae Martin's up almost every night. Even like yeah. Judd Apatow is up like once or twice a week somewhere in town doing comedy. Yeah, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. I know. I remember hearing people talking about how there were, that was a real dividing line in Hollywood. People that kept wanting to play after they made money, and people that were like, oh, good, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it is yeah. interesting. And when it's interesting when you become a working actor. I had a period where I was working a lot and I thought I should go to acting class or do theater because not because I wasn't working enough because you learn a lot by working, of course, so much. But I just felt like a good actor should be doing theater or acting class. But you don't see that that many working actors uh, do you know not li- like unlike these improv working actors? But I think there's also do class once they get into working a lot. There's other ways to keep your tools sharp than having like lessons. Where you yeah, I guess people do Shakespeare in the Park. You see whatever famous actors do that. But when you're in class, you do scenes from plays that are scenes that you might not normally be working with. That but, level of writing. Yeah, but like the these people who proclaim these roles as acting teachers like we were just reading that article what was it in the new yorker a few weeks ago yeah i forget the teacher it was about there's like they're sort of now diving into it's almost like the cults all the cult docos have now been made on netflix the next realm that they really can explore is these guru acting teachers i i was finally understanding what i was sitting at lunch let's this is where i got my understanding next to this woman i'd never met um, at a birthday lunch, and she was talking about a mentor. Was she the hers. birthday girl? She was sitting next to the birthday girl's wife. Okay, <laughs> the woman on my left. She she's a photographer, and for some reason, she was talking about a mentor that started uh, becoming controlling with her, and she started not wanting him to be her mentor any longer. It wasn't sexual, but just controlling. And I was getting a glimpse of how I could feel that and, the, and this is a little different but I have a certain friend who I felt like was sort of lucky to be my friend let's say this sounds so terrible you can name me it's fine <laughs> and everything was fine when it was they were all doing the things I wanted them to be doing but when they how old are you this is high school this is now 
And um, <laughs> okay, so you have a friend who's lucky to be who should that's how I who thought. should count themselves lucky to be a friend. That's what okay. I thought. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm yes. saying this is not a great side of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when they started acting the way I didn't want them to act, I was just sort of incensed and annoyed. Right. So I could see that that's kind of the feeling that maybe bosses get when they use their power or people who have a staff or assistance like it's it's just so i was sort of understanding maybe the ego of the uh acting teacher there's certain ones that hate men and there's usually the male ones are hard on the men and nice on the ladies really well you can imagine yeah. why and do the acting teachers and the, and the, the students and the female teachers are probably hard on the women and mm. soft on the men and they always have their favorites yeah and yeah they just get to kind of manipulate that's the classic and that's not trope, isn't yeah it? of like the acting teacher who like wants to break the spirit so you can become a real become malleable like yeah a real and actor. use all of that stuff but i had a teacher and it was great because he didn't let you he felt you should just there was enough human experience and you would just work off of the the text and not you don't need to do that and then some if you do bring in your stuff if say they're into substitution and all of that stuff where you actually are bringing in your stuff it, it should feel safe you know there shouldn't be it should be a safe place where you don't feel you know high and dry it's funny you have to learn all these skills as you're coming up in any craft and more and more as i get older i feel like what's really being tested is my ability to just simply be present and see what the moment asks for which i think is what a lot of these you know, acting teachers want you to get to, too. Like, I had this the other day, Soko, who's an old friend of ours. She's a French musician and a uh, very interesting person. Actress. Actress, very stylish. She's modeled for Gucci, and she's very, just super cool and very creative. But we hadn't hung out for a, a long time, and we'd actually never hung out this in-depth. And we kind of just spent the whole day just mucking around on yeah. instruments, playing, kind of. And I think she... Because I, I'm quite prolific and I work quite a lot, she expressed several times that she felt guilty that we weren't like kind of quote unquote getting anywhere, making a thing. And I was like, we don't have to make a thing. Like sometimes it's like simply the act of being present and playing and connecting as people is not just on a human level what the moment demands, but as artists, you never know what f can spring from that sort of fertile Well, yeah, connection. I mean, isn't jamming when bands rent a country house or like the Beatles, whatever, every, you know, you're meant to kind of like make the music. It takes a long time to get there. But I guess there's certain things like photo shoots that you have to have the concept. And if you're delivering it to a magazine or something, you have to kind of, you don't have time to play. But then to, can't you find the music? Yeah, I, but even that type of thing is like, in a sense, it's like creative colonialism where you're like creating a scenario where you're going to just, your unconscious will be free and you'll release all this thing. And then someone is going to come in and harvest and make judgment calls on it. So it's quite hard to be relaxed, totally relaxed and innocent because you are aware the whole time that you're kind of like trying, trying to create trying. more material that's going to be like a hit song or at least a good song on a record or whatever it is. But yeah, I had this interesting, uh, I was thinking about this, you know, because I'm writing a memoir, I'm writing all these stories and I was thinking about Terry Richardson. The photographer. Yeah. And how I shot with him. With the handlebar mustache and the yeah, big glasses. We were sort of friendly and I shot with him 
and we smoked a joint and one of the pictures was cool it was me with the joint and i had my i'm not embarrassed to be naked but i think i had my top off i can't remember and we were he said let's do one where you're crying we were like in a bedroom there was nothing sexual about it but i was sort of and i'm not i always feel more comfortable as an actor like yelling and being angry or being this or that but crying is kind of i feel and also showing like sexual faces i feel like protective of myself it's always been harder for me to do that and also cry because i have to remember you know i'm safe and this is okay in any case i got somewhere and i really i kind of cried or something or other and the and then it, I didn't feel protected in that experience. And I felt kind of yucky driving home. Nothing sexual happened. Uh, you felt like emotionally violated. Yeah, I just way. felt kind of weird. And it was hard to explain, but it wasn't that he, it's it just more that he just couldn't hold the space. I thankfully have never had like terrible like sexual experiences. I've only had ones where the person just wasn't really present and didn't feel like in like there which could feel kind of weird. So if you're in a space with someone making music, it's funny how it's just like almost a, a vibe. Can oh, I can totally see now that I'm becoming, I'm maturing and I'm like settling down my energy a little more. I can totally see how in the past I'd collaborated with people or got in the beginnings of creative exchanges, like with someone like Sarah Blasco or people that were quite sensitive. And I was not able to slow and quiet the process down and relieve my expectations, take them away and allow whatever to happen to happen. And what was beautiful about the other day with Soko, like I respect her fragile, sensitive creativity. And I also wasn't, I didn't need it to be anything. That just comes with maturity yeah. where you like let go of oh my God. needing everything to become something I and know. actually enjoy the process of connecting. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so cool how you learn all those things. Like that one acting coach I had that <clears throat> was almost like mad at me when we would start the scene if I was working on him for scenes or something. And he was like almost incensed when it wasn't something. And I would be like, "We, I'm just saying the lines. Like why, like, and he just couldn't, it, it just like he couldn't contain his feelings about it not being where he wanted it to be. And yeah, you're like, let me so get weird. There. But get it takes there. so long when you're, when you're at this age where like, uh, okay, next, like that driving teacher you had when you were a kid <laughs> who would pick you up at like four in the morning. Nothing terrible happened, but like looking back, you're My like- My sleep was violated. You were like, why did I work with that freak who was trying to squeeze it in before his morning shift? <laughs> but speaking of collaborations that were organic and surprisingly fast and effective, the Beautiful Babies might remember a few episodes back, we discussed the rave that we had here. Yeah. And um, with Nina Jirachi, who's an upcoming Australian EDM DJ and producer. And I had so much fun that night with her. And I just loved the vibe she created that I texted her a day or two later. I was like, you want to get in the studio and try and make something? And so she came over and I'm not kidding. We started at about 10 or 11 in the morning with nothing. And by the end of the day, we had a fully finished, written and produced song. And I'm releasing this song today. It's yeah. called Touch Up. Yeah. Um, so I'll put a link to uh, the lyric video and to the Spotify link in the show notes. But I wanted to throw to it right now and kind of premiere it on the podcast. Yeah, Is that Tuck okay? Shop, of course. Beautiful babies who aren't Australian. Tuck shop is what you, where you get your food at school. Yeah, it's like the cafeteria. And so it kind of became in this song a symbol for like being alone in line at the tuck shop is a symbol of sort of teen alienation in yes. the high school. So here's the tune. 
song it's, it's so, really it's so it's, good it, it's cool and it just it, it, was, it was funny also because she's like a different generation to me we did we shared very few of the same references i was like you know petra boys or maybe more recently postal service total blank, blank. and i love that though i love that you and take, she brought in stuff and oh, she brought yeah i mean all her she works on ableton 
when we started working, I, I said, what's your main instrument? She said, well, you know, people like can shred on guitar. I can shred on Ableton and sounds cocky, but she was absolutely right. It was amazing. So that's like a keyboard shredding on the keyboard. Well, it's a computer. It's yeah. a software program. But I so mean, it's just your, it's literally just like playing, a laptop. Yeah. She's yeah. playing that laptop like Joe Satriani played an Ibanez guitar. Oh, it was amazing. amazing. So super, super cool. Yeah, I love when she DJs and she bops up and down. And she's just got good energy. Going to be a fun week this week. Second installment of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. Cannot yep. wait for oh it. Going to go see Cub Sport at the Echo on Wednesday night, hopefully after Vanderpump. And I've got some a little bit of exciting news about a new record coming soon. I so know. I like I like that. that. That's I know. That's really, there's a lot to, to celebrate. And there's my, a lot to be grateful for. And with that in mind, do you feel a little better about the food that you're going to be sharing with a few of your peers on Memorial Day? Maybe once I put all the condiments and everything out and it looks organized. I mean, I am an artist. Your energy seems better. You it seem a little less depressed okay. than about 20 I minutes mean, ago. I mean, listen, yeah. beautiful babies, you wouldn't even know that the past four or five episodes I was under the weather. I learned well, with you're that. You're bragging about no, your stamina for No, but I'm just saying, I don't want to, I never want, because I'm triggered by colds. I don't want to trigger the listeners when you're like, I don't feel good. Then everyone's going to, you know, you think about not feeling well, maybe think, oh, no, I hope I don't catch a cold, not from the podcast, but, you know, so I don't want to bum anyone out ever. Hey, you, you but don't, you don't bum I'm not out. sick at all. And I have a worse personality <laughs> than when I was sick. But I found out what under the weather, where it comes from. Oh, Do yeah? you know? No, it's it's from ships when people got sick on ships back in the old oh. days and they would go under, they would go sleep, you know, they'd go under deck. board, yeah. under deck. And below, deck. Be, below, below deck. Below deck. Below deck. You can see we're very keen sailors. In exactly. This yeah. <laughs> under deck. <laughs> below deck. And that was literally under the weather. Hmm. On that note, beautiful babies, we'll leave you there. Feel free to send a voice note to us at weirdetogetherpod at gmail.com. You know, Thank you for being there for us. Thanks for, for hanging in, beautiful babies. And uh, happy beginning of summer, everybody. Or beginning of winter in Australia. Yeah, right. I know. I'm so, you know, I'm, what are you going to say? You're like Azealia Banks, American. I know. American-centric. I'm sorry. Happy winter, happy summer. We love you. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together.